I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. And verse 16 reads, For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were our witnesses of His majesty. I love that Peter writes, listen, people, like I have skeptical friends I was just sharing with Lloyd. Lloyd, I'm just, one of my greatest blessings for me is that I'm not a skeptic. I'm just so grateful I'm not an atheist arguing with Christians, trying to come to the knowledge of truth. It's just such a blessing for me. That's what I'm most thankful for is that I believe in Jesus. And you think 2024, you have to argue and reason with people whether Jesus came. This is not a couple years after he's left the earth and Peter's saying, hey, listen, guys, this man was. I witnessed his glory with my own eyes. I saw his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. So Peter's quoting a moment that he experienced with Jesus where the majestic glory spoke out and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. And the moment that he's referring to, for those of you that don't know, is the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus took his three closest disciples up onto the mountain and he transcended and he was shining and they saw Elijah and they saw Moses. And after they had seen this thing, they said, Lord, let us build tabernacles for what we've just witnessed and experienced. And so Peter's writing to the church and he's saying, listen, guys, this is not a cleverly devised scheme to get you into a building so that you will behave what we tell you to do. This man, Jesus Christ, the majestic one, we witnessed with, with our eyes, we saw a voice born from, we heard a voice born from heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And what I want to lean into tonight is verse 19, where Peter says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Sounds very poetic. And I'm going to break down that scripture for us tonight. It's probably the only scripture that I'm going to break down for us tonight, but it's the one that... Um, is really close to my heart. And if we go to, to the beginning when sin entered to the, into the world, and I'll speak quickly on this, is once sin entered into the world, so did death and so did darkness. And when I talk about darkness, I'm talking about a spiritual darkness entered into the world the moment that sin 
came. And it's so important. Peter's saying this to the church. He's saying, listen, guys, we have prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you do well to pay attention to. This is New Testament. Understand, he's writing in the New Testament under the new covenant. And he's telling us, listen, pay attention closely to the prophetic word that was spoken over who? Jesus Christ, the righteous. And there are over 400 prophetic pieces in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. And I think if Lloyd and I sat across a table from each other and we didn't take an open book test and we had to write down all the scriptures that we know pointing to Jesus that is to come, I think we'd maybe hit 10, maybe 20. 10 for you, 10 for me. I think if we sat there, if you sat there and you were like, okay, I wanna point to the Old Testament and I wanna say, okay, all the prophetic pieces of Jesus that's to show, if I were to look that up, if I were to dig that up, would I even be able to find it? And yet Peter's instructing the church, you would do well to pay close attention to these things. Why? As to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. And unfortunately, the modern day church, we don't do that well when it comes to interpreting Scripture. We, we particularly if you're a self-studier and you're looking to move to Johannesburg, <laughs> you will find the Scripture which says, go into all the Johannesburg, and preach the gospel. You'll read it, you'll read it into that. And, and oft, oftentimes, when, when we're looking for a solution or we're looking for an answer, it's quite easy to read in your desired results because there's so many passages of Scripture here. You could find reason to murder in the Old Testament. Take that one verse and say, the Lord saith for His glory. They did that in history. It's called the Crusades. They thought that they were fulfilling the purposes of God, going to slaughter the Muslims in Israel. They're like, I'm fulfilling God's purpose. There was a cross on their shields as they marched in God's glory to kill. Do you not think that they so greatly missed the purposes of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, knowing first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from your own interpretation. You don't have the right to take the Word of God and alter what it means to make it your own and then run with it. Number one, it's gonna fall away because only His Word stands and remains. But number two, you're just gonna hurt yourself. You're gonna slow yourself down and you're gonna hamper your destiny when you do that. So we would do well to make sure that we pay close attention to the Word of God as a lamp shining in a dark place. So the fall happens, darkness comes into the world and, and the picture that Peter's painting here is so beautiful. He says, the, the morning star that rises in your heart comes. And the moment that the world fell into sin and into darkness, darkness emitted, okay? I want you to see a picture. I'm not an artsy, prophetic person, but just bear with me while we try and paint this picture. Darkness entered into the world, but the moment that that happened, it didn't catch God by surprise, I mean. 
I told people this morning that I prayed for, when I prayed for them, they have complex issues, complex problems, but it doesn't catch God by surprise. He's not like, oh my word, what am I gonna do with that cancer? I didn't see that one coming. Oh my goodness, what am I gonna do with your home eviction? I didn't see that one coming. The Lord knows those who are His. And Lloyd's message this morning is leaning into the promises of God that we take hold of those promises. He's not surprised when these things take place. He always has a plan. And we say, thank God that He has a plan because we don't. For the most part, we like deers in the headlights when situations and tragedies come. It's just like, phone Michelle, I'm seeing Pastor Craig. We, we stuffed, I don't know what to do. We need to get in front of counsel. We need to get in front of a pastor. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with the situation. It's hectic. It's, I just, I don't have any answers for what to do right now. And yet they're here. Amen. So, so darkness enters into the world, but in that moment, God implements His plan for redemption of humanity. And the morning star is in astrology, I'm not speaking about light astrology, funny, new age, any of that stuff. But in astrology, at about 4 a.m. before sunrise, it's called the morning star. It's actually Venus. And just before the sun comes, there's a star that rises in the sky. I didn't know this. I had to study this out for this message. But there's a star that rises up in the sky. Now, I'm not talking about astrology here. I'm talking about Scripture. But... The moment darkness enters into the world, death and sin come, darkness comes, God begins to set about a prophetic picture representing the redemption of humanity. Now we now know in hindsight that there's over 400 prophetic references to the coming of Jesus Christ the King. And Peter says it's, due, it's to our advantage, we would do really well if we knew them like a lamp unto our feet. Because the story's not over. Otherwise, we would be in heaven and glory. Those people, their story's over. Our story is not over. The kingdom is not yet fully established on this earth. It's coming. There's a day that's coming when Jesus is going to return. Amen. That's the hope. That's why we're sitting here. Because we know there's a hope of redemption, of salvation that is yet to come. And so darkness enters into the world and prophetic pictures start to appear in the Old Testament through people like Abraham, through people like Moses leading them out of slavery, through people like Joseph, through people like David. And when you read these stories, we did the shred this year in January, we had a hundred and, no, we had like 50, 40, ooh, 30 Maybe three of us, I'm not sure. I don't want to exaggerate. I finished it, I know that, and Levi, I definitely know that, and Megan was a bit late. I don't think Michelle's done, but okay, we're on three. <laughs> so, so my goal this time was to look for grace, to look for, for Jesus in the Old Testament, because the Lord um, in, in our new church uh, if, I, if we did a survey of how much Old Testament you really read, excluding Psalms and Proverbs, how much Old Testament we read compared to the New Testament, it's very limited. For I'm speaking to me, I'm preaching to me. It's very limited. I'm very limited in my understanding. My ancient Hebrew could use a little bit of brushing up. I can't pronounce any of the words when I look into the Hebrew text. 
I don't have the that it's necessary to say what it is that they're saying in those scriptures. And so we would do well to dig a little bit deeper into those prophetic pictures. But what's happening is this star is rising. And as the, the coming of Christ is getting closer, if you read the Old Testament in chronological order, as the coming of Christ is getting closer, the dawn is starting to come. And Megan made me wake up really early and go for engagement pictures at five in the morning. It was dark, maybe quarter to five. It was dark. But what happens is, if you wake up at that time, raise your hand if you wake up just before seven. <laughs> so the sun, it's 30 degrees outside already for us. We don't know what happened any time before that. We don't know why those people woke up at that ridiculous hour. But when the dawn is coming, it's amazing how the sun hasn't yet risen and yet it's light. So if you went down to the beach and you saw the dawn coming, it slowly gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. But that little first burning ball that sliver hasn't yet come over the horizon yet. Now I want you to see that as a prophetic picture of the Old Testament that's to come when Jesus Christ the righteous was to walk the earth and fulfill the promises of God, fulfill the prophetic picture and everything that was necessary for him to accomplish as his day drew near, it got brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until the sun rose and he came. And light entered into the world. Laurel, can we go to John 1? Not first John, John 1. First 1 to 5. I'm going to have to do it this way because we only have like 15 minutes to, to get this done. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what John's painting, the exact same picture that Peter's painting. He's saying that at the fall, darkness entered into the world, but my WhatsApp status, if you go look at it, it says all the light in the world, all the darkness in the world could not extinguish the light of a single candle. So if you took all the darkness in the world and you lit one little candle, it can't do nothing. It cannot stop the light of that one little candle. Now, I'm not a physicist and we're not getting into that. That defeats the point of what we're talking about tonight. But Jesus was the Word. He was made flesh. He was came down and He dwelt with us. He was in the beginning. Everything was made through Him and by Him, everything was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse five, six, seven, and eight, He says, you know the way to where, am I, where I'm going. Thomas says to Him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way to where you're going? Logical. All of us would have asked that question, where are you going? Please don't leave us, Jesus. Stay with us forever. Don't go. You know the way to where I'm going. And he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. All men that come to me, come to the Father, must come by 
me. Sorry if I'm butchering the quotation of it, but you're getting the point. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We learned from John chapter one that in him, that he was the life, and the life was the light of men. Now, that's the macro picture of God's plan. And I would really encourage you that if you have not completed the Bible in its entirety and you've served God for longer than one year, please, Christian, read the whole Bible from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. You need only 40 minutes a day and you'll be done in like six months. Genesis 1, you must do this. You have to do this. You cannot get to heaven and say, Lord, I lived 60 years, but I never got through that book. It was very long. (laughs) It's It's just not good enough. You have to read the whole Bible. Please, before you appear in front of Jesus, at least be able to say, Lord, I finished it once. Please. It's a hard argument. I don't know what your excuse is gonna be to say, did you enjoy the book? Lord, I didn't finish it, actually. (laughs) I think I left it at church and Otis put it in lost and found and I never found it again. Oh, Javin's here. (laughs) The light does shine in the darkness. Amen. What a blessing. Sorry, my friend. I'm not supposed to call you out like that. But that, so that, that's the macro picture of the prophetic representation of Jesus that's to come. Um, and twice now this has happened to me when I've done the shred, which is, for those of you that don't know, it's the Bible in 30 days, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. It's difficult, but it's a lot of fun. And twice this has happened to me now, this year and last year, that when I start to read Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one is filled with and this son and that son and this son and that son and that son and this son and that son. Because you only read about that 10 days ago. You're like, remember those people. If you read that now, you're like, who the heck is Zaginabab and this guy and that guy? And I don't know who this guy is. And skip Matthew chapter one, let's go to chapter two. Okay, and Jesus came. And the reason that Matthew's laying that out for the church is what? Peter says it's, for your advantage, you would do well to take hold of all the prophetic references of Jesus coming to earth. And so Matthew's gonna help you. He did all the research for you. And he said, this is how his bloodline is perfect. That's why he's here. And twice this has happened to me last year and this year, I hit Jesus and I just start weeping. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this promise thousands of years, hundreds of men, different nations, different countries, different times, different trials, different circumstances, all these people speaking about the same person who's to come carrying the same message. And he shows up and he enters the world. And for the first time again, the life becomes the light of men. The Word of God, all those prophetic words become flesh and they behold His glory. You need to see Peter saying, I beheld His glory. I saw the man, I walked with him. I heard the voice come from heaven. 
to say, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Don't trod, don't make it common. That revelation and that understanding of who it is, this man whose name is Jesus Lloyd and I are sitting in the green room at the back there. You know what we're saying to each other? We're saying, oh, but we need Jesus. Am I right? We're saying we, we cannot solve these people's problems. They're so much bigger than us. I can't heal people. I can't provide for people. Jesus has to do it. He has to heal the hearts and minds of his people. And Lloyd and I are saying, Lord, you said pray for the laborers. Lord, please help us. We need you to do this. And that's why when I open the service and I say we come into the presence of God, we must honor his presence because it doesn't happen everywhere. You're an unpersecuted people group. Waking up from your Sunday RV nap to come to church is not persecution. I know it feels like that sometimes, but it's just not persecution. Amen. Is my Shawnee ready? Is that a yes? No, not yet. I'm just prepping you. John 3. You know this one well. 16. Some of you have it tattooed onto you. Do we have anyone with a tattoo of John 3.16? Be honest now. Okay, no one. Maybe I'll be the first. I'll be the last day I preach here. Pastor Craig will throw me out. You'll find me at Olive Tree next. <laughs> no, I'm joking. John 3, verse 16. Now you should all be able to quote this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. That's where we stop in that passage of Scripture for the most part, am I right? Like 16, 17, got it. But that's not where it ends. Jesus goes on to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so we spoke on a macro level, but now I wanna to go to a micro level and I just wanna look at your life, your heart. And to understand that when you were born, your heart was filled with darkness. And yet, before the foundation of the world, He predestined you that you would be conformed to the image of His Son, promise one. 
Another promise says that He loves the world, that He sent His Son for you, promise two. And so there's all these promises that He's made, not just for the people group of a whole, but for you to experience His love. And so from the day that you're born, there's a star, a sun that's rising. It's darkness in the beginning, but every single person he's calling. He's saying, Peter says this, he says, some of you count him slack concerning his promises. Some of you think he's taking a long time to come back. That's the church. Raise your hand if you think he could come a little bit faster. <laughs> Just Michaela now, okay. <laughs> but Peter says, some of, you, some of you count the Lord slack concerning his promises. He's taking a long time to come back. It's not that, it's that he doesn't want anyone to perish. And so there's a prophetic picture for your life as well, for the sun to shine for his life to come. And when his life comes to that area of your life, his light shines. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. What does it mean to let my light shine? I know, I know that in children's church, you sang. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Maybe not with a click because you're a bit young. <laughs> but you sang that song. What does that mean? What were you singing? You're not a lantern. You don't have a lot. So what is it? That light, that shining, is the life of Christ in you. That's the thing that's tangible. Now when... Letu has darkness in his heart and he doesn't allow the promises of God to illuminate those areas, bring correction to the darkness, bring life which emits light, the world won't see that Letu is a disciple of Jesus. And so Jesus is encouraging his people that when you fill me, when you get filled with my life, when you accept me, now, all of us are a continuing work of progress. Raise your hand if in the last 30 calendar days you experienced road rage and you have a driver's license. <laughs> road rage is not necessarily raging at someone, but you gripped your steering wheel <laughs> a little bit harder. You just felt that leather go... <clears throat> That is work that needs to take place in your heart. Jesus doesn't get irritated when he drives. <laughs> you do. What is that? It's an area of your life that still needs the life of Christ to be manifested. And we've been speaking about doing well to make known the promises of God, to, to, to see the prophetic picture of Jesus, to see the Word of God. And if we don't pick up this book, if we don't pick up the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit is unable to work in our minds, illuminate the truth of the Gospel to your heart and to your mind, and you will not be renewed and conformed to the image of His Son. And what that really looks like 
being conformed to the image of his son is to have the life of Christ. Shani, now's your time. I want Shani to share a testimony in her pink dress. So on Friday night before street ministry, when I was spending time with the Lord, I just asked him to just show me where his heart is at in Florida Road on Friday evening. So I just cleared my mind of all distractions and so sadly the Lord just dropped three very specific words in my heart and it was foreign, purple and depressed. And he showed me a lady in a purple dress in front of Seven Seas, just down the road. And I went to her and I just started, I just introduced myself and I spoke to her. And she asked me, but how did I know to stop her? And I said, no, well, the Lord highlighted you. And I showed her the list that I wrote down. And she saw that I wrote depressed on the list as well. And she's like, that resonates with And so I showed that to her and she said that that resonated with her and in that moment as she was consumed by darkness which is depression she had an encounter with the love of Jesus and then as I walked further down the road I met a couple from France and for them specifically the Lord showed me to write the scripture down for them and when I spoke to them they didn't really understand English and so writing it down they could go and translate what the word, what the Lord wanted them to hear. And all the way from France, they had an encounter with the love of Jesus. It's an honor. There we go. The reason that I got Shani to say, share that story is she, she pre-went and she pre-got who it is that God wants to touch. Foreigners, and she walks up to French people. Purple dressed lady in front of the store. Um, and pre-writes down who these people are. The Lord knows exactly where he needs to go. Now, if Shani is walking in darkness herself, if there's not a pursuit of Christ in her life, those people never would have been touched on Friday night because there's not someone there. There's not someone preaching the gospel. Now, the Lord will use other methods to reach those people, but the point is this, if we're gonna go out onto the streets like the young adults do, um, we go and we carry the life of Christ. That life is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. It's called a word of knowledge of exactly where that person is and who I need to talk to. And those people, we sow seeds into their salvation. And so you, as an individual, I'm gonna wrap up now, but you as a person, you need to pick up this word 
And we only did three out of the 16 scriptures that we were supposed to do tonight. But you pick up this word. One of them is Ephesians chapter one, verse eight, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know the hope to which you have been called to, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. What does that mean? It means that when you open up this passage of Scripture and you read it, your eyes become open to the truth of God's Word, and by the power of His Spirit, He changes and transforms and renews your mind. That's how you overcome situations and circumstances. You serve a supernatural living God. Not reasoning, not mind mapping, not planning, renewing your mind by the word of truth. There's a story, it's in Luke chapter 24 and we close. It's called the road to Emmaus. And there's disciples that are on the road and Jesus died three days previously. And this man approaches them while they're walking on the road and says, why you guys, why the long face? He doesn't say that, but he says, why are you so sad? And they say, where have you been? You know, if he actually answered, where had he been? But where, where have you been that you haven't seen the things that took place in Jerusalem in these last days? How Jesus of Nazareth, mighty in deed, mighty in word, was crucified, given up to be crucified, and he died, and it's been three days since these events took place. They're walking on the path. And... Opening up the scriptures, they don't know that it's actually Jesus. We have the insight of being able to do that. Jesus opens up the scriptures and explains to them all of the Old Testament references to who he is. After asking them this, why are you so slow to believe all that the word says? Why are you so slow to believe the prophets and promises. And Jehovah Sneaky, sometimes we don't see what's coming. He makes out like he's going to keep carrying, walking along the path, but it's, the day is far spent. It's late. And <laughs> Jesus is, is making out like he's not, he's going he's gonna to keep walking and they, they implore him, stay with us. It's late. You can just reside with us. <laughs> Of language. You can stay with us anyway. They break bread with him. They have a meal with him. And as Jesus breaks the bread, their eyes are open and they see that it's the Lord. And the moment they see the Lord, he vanishes. He's gone. And the first thing that they say to each other is what? Did not our hearts burn within us as he opened to us the scriptures? So they knew while they were talking to this man, even though they, the eyes of their heart had not been enlightened to who it is, they knew in here that as he opened up the scriptures to them, their hearts burned within them. That's your entitlement as a believer, that a spirit-filled believer can pick up the Word of God and while you read the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit illuminates them to you and your heart is supposed to burn. And that burning is the life of Christ. That life is the light that has risen in your heart. You can't hide the sun. You understand? 
And so when you walk through life, when you go into places and your mind is renewed, the moment you hear a lie that's contrary to God's Word, you react and you respond according to promise. You react and you respond according to the presence of God. You react and you respond led and directed by God's Spirit. And so don't become complacent in your pursuit of making sure that every single area of your life has been surrendered to Jesus. And oftentimes we, we take the areas of disappointment where we, we didn't think that God's plan quite came out like we hoped it would. And we take that area and we shove it into the closet because it's too painful to open. And what we're really doing is we're pushing it into the darkness. Now, the funny thing about the darkness, can I tell you about the darkness? No one's actually scared of the dark. You're not scared of the dark. Your child isn't scared of the dark. They're scared of what's in the dark that they can't see. You understand? And so when it's not illuminated by the gospel, things hide in the dark. And you leave it there because you don't want to address it. It's like finances. Here comes your offering message. You don't want to confront the debt. You don't want to confront the bills, the letters. You don't want to confront the bad, messy situation that is your bank balance. You don't want to budget. You don't want to dig through it. You'd rather just, just leave it for another day. I don't want to address that. Don't do that. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden it as they did in the day of the desert. What's he talking about? He's saying today is the day, believer, that you pick up the Word of God and you know when I speak, if the Holy Spirit is revealing to you areas that you've closed out, that you don't want to address, a habit, a habitual sin that you just, I just don't have the answer for that. I don't know what to do. So I'm just gonna leave it. That's not what believers do. They don't leave it. Jesus didn't come to set you free so that you could live in bondage. He came to set you free so that you could live in freedom. All the promises of God allow you access. The exceedingly great and precious promises allow you to become partakers of a new life in Christ Jesus. And He paid such a high and great price so that you could have access to them. Cyril Ramaphosa cannot stop God's promises from being fulfilled in your life. He can't. Paul writes this, he says, I'm fully persuaded that not death, not life, not angels, not demons, powers, principalities, sword, pestilence. Nothing is able to separate me from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen. And so believer, as we close, you need to pick up this Bible you must read it every day. Please, I'm imploring you on the behalf of the spirit man that is in you. He's starving. <laughs> He's hungry. He wants to eat. We feed the flesh, but we don't feed the spirit. And then we wonder why we have these habits. Why am I struggling with lust? 
Maybe because I watched four hours of sex on Netflix and 10 minutes in the Bible before bed. I'm like, I'm not quite sure why I'm having these lustful thoughts. I'm like, well, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe if you did a small survey of your life and what it is you're feeding. Feed the Spirit and you will, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. Amen. God bless you inside church.